Welcome to the Global Medical Device Podcast, where today's brightest minds in the medical device industry go to get their most useful and actionable insider knowledge, direct from some of the world's leading medical device experts and companies. Oh my goodness, have you ever designed a medical device that has electrical components, printed circuit boards, things of that nature? And if you have, how frustrating was it to go through the electrical safety testing, you know, to the IEC 60601 standards? Oh, my goodness. I, I've got horror stories that I can share with you. And, in fact, I do share uh, at least one of those stories on this episode of the Global Medical Device Podcast, where I speak with Klaus Romer Anderson from Romer Consulting, an expert for compliance with IEC 60601. So if you have an, a medical device that involves uh, electri- electrical components in some way, shape, or form, you're going to want to listen to the advice that Klaus offers on this episode of the Global Medical Device Podcast. Hello and welcome to this episode of the Global Medical Device Podcast. As always, this is your host, the founder and VP of Quality and Regulatory at Greenlight Guru. John Spear. And folks today, well, let's just be real. I mean, companies in the medical device space, there's lots of challenges that we're faced with. And if you're developing an electromechanical device, there's a big challenge that we have to deal with. And it has to deal, deal with the topic of electrical safety of that medical device. And there are some super complicated standards that are out there. And the layperson, or even a knowledgeable person for that matter, is going to struggle to understand how and what and when to do certain activities to be able to demonstrate and prove that your device is safe and effective and meets the intent of these electrical standards. Well, the good news is we're going to dive into that topic, how to design for compliance with IEC 60601. And I have an expert on the phone today, Klaus Romer Anderson. Klaus, welcome to the Global Medical Device Podcast. Thank you so much. All right. So tell us all a little bit about what you do and and you know how you can help companies understand a little bit about this. And of course, we're going to dive into, we're going to have a discussion today about some of the nuances and some of the specifics and, and provide some tips and pointers. But give us a, a little bit of a high-level overview of Romer Consulting. Yes. Yeah, thank you so much. Uh, I'm uh, an independent consultant working within the fields of EMC, radio, and safety. So basically, I help manufacturers of medical devices navigate the technical and regulatory requirements related to EMC, radio, and safety. So I review designs, documentation, uh, perform analysis, and uh, write up test plans all to help document compliance with the requirements for EMC and safety. Very good. That's, let, let me start off, if it's okay with you, let me share a story uh, about an experience that I had, and this goes back quite a few years. We were designing um, an electrical mechanical device. It was a, a pump product. And, you know, we were, it was, we were doing some work with a startup, and, you know, we're trying to get the first unit uh, our f- first few units of the device ready, tested, proven. We were preparing for a 510K submission uh, here in the U.S. 
And one of the big parts of a 510K involves electrical safety. You know, you have to go through the generally the, the IEC 60601 testing that applies you know, to this to your particular product. And and so we had done a lot of testing, a lot of performance testing on the product to make sure that it works. And I'll just say we, we probably uh, started our IEC uh, efforts later in the process than we should have. And, and that became evident only after the fact. But we would get into, uh, um, we, we had kind of a test facility that we were doing some pre-testing or pre-screening, if you will. And every time we zapped uh, the device with uh, uh, volts from an EMC standpoint, it, we killed the product and we'd have to go back and rework the board and that sort of thing. It was a very frustrating experience. So uh, I'm, I'm sure this is not the first time you've heard a story like that. Certainly not. Uh, and maybe you were lucky that you killed the product. I have seen products like uh, infusion pumps um, giving the wrong dosage due to uh, lack of EMC, um, so lack of electromagnetic compatibility, especially when it comes to uh, RF immunity from sources like mobile phones and things like that. So, so it can be quite a challenge to design a product to, uh, to work adequately and properly and be safe and effective in the intended use environment. And EMC and safety, they are complex matters. Um, and as you allude to, a lot of companies uh, don't take the requirements into account in the early phases of development. And then you face a lot of challenges down the road when it comes to type testing your product. All right, so I want to get some tips and pointers from you that we can share with the audience of the Global Medical Device Podcast. So what can I do? What could I have done differently uh, to, to better address that earlier rather than later? So I don't know if you have maybe a couple of tips that you can share first, and then you know, we can dive into some of the, the nuances and the details for sure. Sure. Um, basically, the, the, the tips are to... Um design specific technical requirements your uh, during your design input phase before you actually design the phase. So evaluate the requirements that, that are relevant to your product and to your intended use environment uh, and write them down in the early phases of, of product development uh, and include EMC and safety uh, in those specifications. Write test plans when you do a requirement specification to ensure that you consider how you're going to actually test it in the end. Um, otherwise, it's quite often it's too high level, um, or it's addressed at a too high level. Um, so, so it's not specific enough to uh, to take into account. Um, and then perform design reviews. Uh, integrated with your risk management process at uh, suitable intervals and pre-test as soon as you can. So as soon as you have that first circuit board, begin testing not only for functionality, but also for safety and for EMC. That's the road to compliance. Well, I like your advice and, and folks, the advice that uh, Klaus is providing about the defining your design inputs to be thorough, complete, comprehensive, clear, objective. But the key thing that he, that he mentioned from an electromagnetic perspective and electrical safety perspective 
is to consider how you're going to verify that while you're defining the design input. And that's good advice for every single design input, not just the electrical safety items. Certainly. I mean, but you have to think about that. And, and you know, I want to pull on a couple of threads that, that you just shared. And I want to go back to the, the, the tidbit that you, that you offered about the infusion pump where you tested it, it failed, and it delivered the wrong dose. This and you just you just mentioned risk. You have to evaluate the risk. You have to identify the risk. I mean, in that scenario, that's a high risk issue that you need to know about as soon as possible. And so maybe you can talk a little bit about how to, to kind of integrate, if you will, your design input requirements and and as you start to think about how you're going to test and verify and all those sorts of things and how, how do you do that from a risk management perspective? Well, first of all, you have to consider all the relevant aspects of, of EMC. Um, and, and typically that's neglected um, due to a lack of expertise with design manufacturers or manufacturers of medical devices uh, and also uh, the, the risk management pres- uh, standard 14971. It's sort of vague uh, when it comes to EMC and safety. Uh, the requirements are there, but not at a sufficient level of detail. So diving into the standards, actually the standards for EMC and safety, the 60601 series is a great tool. Um, however, they are not written from a design perspective. So they can be quite a mouthful for a lot of people to, um, to navigate. And therefore, these requirements are neglected typically in the early phases of product development. And you only discover your challenges down the road once you come to a final testing. So, so, so basically, you, you have to consider also that these issues are not easy to deal with in a typical risk analysis format. The, the the typical FMEA table, FMEGA table, doesn't suit uh, these purposes of uh, taking into consideration your end use environment, the EMC phenomena that are relevant for your device, uh, test levels, acceptance criteria. Um, basically, the standard for EMC it it has eight specific. Um, themes you have to address in your risk management process and they don't really fit into a typical risk analysis table. So you have to find another way around um, to make it make sense in the end. Yeah, and that's a really good point. Um, When you talk about FMEA, it's a tool that a lot of people use uh, from a risk standpoint and when you talk about electrical safety, at least in my experience, FMEA um, kind of breaks down. It's, it's not it's, it's not a useful tool. And, and here are a couple of reasons why, from my experience, FMEA is a, a single fault failure. And that means that you know there is a, a single issue that creates the failure you know, a mode that, that manifests as some sort of event or some sort of effect. And while there are cases from an electrical safety standpoint where you may have a single fault failure, my experience says that there's usually a chain of events that occur 
this uh, event happens that leads to this event that leads to this event, and then the the issue or the hazardous situation uh, will manifest. And so this is sort of the big difference between an FMEA uh, approach versus uh, a more holistic uh, approach from a ISO 14971 standpoint. So I wanted to, to clarify that. Um, mm. Uh, the other and and, and yeah, go ahead. Yeah, and can elaborate on that because typically, uh, you know, I've I've seen a lot of uh, risk analysis, uh, and especially around EMC and safety, and most of them they tend to address uh, electrical safety in one line or or have one hazard addressing all of electrical safety, and then it refers to compliance with 60601-1 the general safety standard uh, to mitigate and and that's in the old days maybe that was sufficient but those days have have passed um, and it's just not adequate to have one line addressing safety and one line addressing electromagnetic compatibility mm-hmm. um, you have to elaborate and go into more detail yeah yeah and and I think this really emphasizes the importance of understanding your intended use of your product, your indications Certainly. your indications for use, and this really emphasizes capturing uh, good user needs to understand who the patient is, who the user is, what's the environment that the product will be used in or the environments that the product will be used in and and I shared, Klaus, at the beginning, um, a, an example of a project that I worked on a, a few years back. The, the, it was a pump device um, uh, for, for wound yeah. therapy. And the intent was for this product to be used in the home environment, um, which you know, I know that creates a whole new set of circumstances that maybe we'll dive into here in a moment. But as we started to, to test for the, that environment and we started to communicate with the FDA, uh, there were some really interesting questions that were being asked, some really good questions that, frankly, we had done a poor job of considering. And one of those uh, questions was, well, what about ambulatory? What happens if that that person that, that's using this device in the home environment needs to be transported to to the hospital for some reason via ambulance? There are a whole new set of circumstances uh, and environment and 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 interferences and interfaces and all these sorts of things that now come into play. So you really have to be thorough and defining all of those things and understanding that because it really shapes what it is that you need to do from an electrical safety standpoint. Certainly. And and, and you can also include the expected lifetime of your device into that consideration. The, the infusion pump I mentioned, I actually tested that for a hospital. So it was an existing product on, on the market. And an old device, uh, maybe it was developed 30 years ago. And back then, the manufacturer didn't consider that over the years, the density of mobile phones and Wi-Fi, Bluetooth devices is going to increase to the extent it has. And, and, and therefore immunity to interference from these sources of electromagnetic fields just wasn't addressed adequately in the design. And that's why you could um, cause the malfunction of the device. And that's a challenge because how are you going to foresee what technologies are going to emerge in all relevant use environments uh, down the road? 
um, as as time goes by, because a lot of medical devices they have a long lifespan. Span. They are expensive to buy, and they need to work for a long time. So you have to consider that also. For sure. Now you talked about the the scenario that you've seen where sometimes there's one line to say be safe and 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 that sort of thing, and not really cutting it. But you, you know, I'll confess it's been a day or two since I've read. Uh, IEC 60601, but my recollection of the last time that I read it, you know, it's it's like hundreds of pages in length. So as a, and I'm, you know, an experienced product development engineer, how in the world can I digest that standard? Yeah, that's one challenge. I'm looking at the Dash 1, the general safety standard right now as we speak, and it's 420 pages. And the EMC standard is uh, 192 pages. So it's a lot to digest as a, as a developer. And uh, EMC and safety may not be your area of expertise. And you have to take care of functionality and all the other important aspects as well. Um, so, so that is a, a major challenge. But that doesn't mean that you should neglect to address it in the early days of development um, as a lot of companies do and, and focus on what they understand um, it means you have to be really really careful and um, and it can be quite simple um, for safety for example uh, writing or writing up a, an isolation diagram is quite simple um, if done early if it's done too late, uh, you just end up identifying where you don't have sufficient isolation or, or things like that um, and, and why you won't meet the standard. And then either you face expensive and time-consuming redesign or you have to argue through your risk analysis that it's still okay somehow, even if you don't meet all the requirements of the standard. So. Um, Doing it early is, is one point, even though it's a big challenge and it's a lot of pages to consider. Yeah. And if you don't want to do it yourself, there's people like me who can help you out. That's why we're here. <laughs> exactly. And, and folks, uh, you know, to continue the, the story that I've shared with, with Klaus uh, today, um, we, we, let's just say we considered the, the requirements of IEC 60601 very late in the process, um, essentially, you know, we were at the design ver or what we thought was the design verification stage. And, you know, we would, we had gone through a lot of the other aspects of defining user needs and inputs and outputs. And, you know, we were, we were weeks away or what we thought, at least at the time, weeks away from preparing our 510k submission. And then we, we did our, uh, pre-testing, um, which, you know, yeah, of course it was way too late in the process, but when we did that, <clears throat> You know, we had already purchased um, molds for uh, the injection molded components for the the enclosure. Uh, we had had already ordered uh, printed circuit boards. You know, basically, we we had what we thought was a complete device. And when we started doing the testing, we realized we had to wrap the board and and capped on tape <laughs> in certain places, <laughs> and we had to to spray the interior of the mechanical enclosure with a, uh, a nickel, a nickel paint. Um, you know, so we, we had to do a lot of, uh, really, we had to do a lot of hacks to this device that were 
frankly, they were afterthoughts. And in hindsight, yeah, it would have been much better for us to have digested, you know, the, the 400 and some pages in one standard and the 100 and some in the other, or called a guy like Klaus to help us identify that. Yeah, um, and and also because um, the new versions of, of the standards for safety and EMC, um, like uh, risk management and quality management, the new versions are process standards to an extent. So they actually require uh, that you do risk management. Uh, and as you, I, I know you know that, but you, you have to start early doing that. Uh, it doesn't add value if you do it too late in, in the game. So doing it during verification only just doesn't make sense. Whereas doing these analysis proactively and early actually adds value. In my experience, what you're describing is scaringly normal. It's, it's, it's typical, um, although it's not in compliance with the current versions of the standards. Uh, and it's not best practice in the industry, but it's what's normal these days still but but actually going through the process doing the analysis even if it's uh, a, a little bit painful um, it adds value uh, you have you gain a deeper understanding of your product uh, you can mitigate a lot of things early on quite simply so 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 it's simple and effective to do it early on whereas it's time consuming and expensive to do it late in the game oh for sure i mean and and, and this this story that i that i'm referring to um it actually well we had to make some design modifications and again we were what we thought fairly late in the process and and there's this um this this uh quote rule that a lot of People apply the 1, 10, 100, 1,000 rule that basically if you make a change to something while it's very early, you know, it theoretically costs you a dollar, whereas the later and later you get, it's exponential uh, cost increases. So if you're at a very late stage and you have to make a design change, and in some cases you may have to retool your, um, your product in a way, you may have to build new boards and that sort of thing, and update schematics. So it gets to be very expensive. So finding out early is important. The other thing that it, that it can do is it can delay your submission. Um, it used to be, you know, in the FDA world, that when it came time to submit a 510K, you used to be able to provide what um, was in the industry somewhat known as an, quote, I promise statement. And the I promise statement yeah. may be that, oh, yeah, we're going to do this this testing uh, but you know we don't have it completed at time of submission. And folks, I want you to understand those days of, of providing I promise statements for things like electrical safety, for things like sterilization, for things like biocompatibility, those days are gone. Uh, do not, I encourage you to do not submit your 510K without having completed electrical safety, without having completed sterilization and biocompatibility. And there are others too, but but certainly you need to have the proof, the evidence that this product is safe and meets the IEC 60601 series of standards that apply to your product. You need to have that completed and done at the time of your submission. Otherwise, it's going to get kicked back. It's going to get rejected. And that also causes delays. Yeah. And, and not only because the FDA are going to ask for it, but also because it if you don't have it in place when you submit, um, you're going to face design challenges. 
the statistics on the subject, they're, they're quite vague as there's no publicly available information, but uh, some big test firms have, have done uh, analysis and uh, the failure rate the first time you submit a device for testing is in the neighborhood of 50 to 80 percent. So 50 to 80 percent of devices fail testing the first time around. And going through redesign, uh, producing new devices, uh, generating new documentation, getting a new si uh, time slot at the test lab, that means you have a turnaround time of about six months or so at, at least normally. So, so it's, it's a big issue for many companies. All right, folks, I just want to remind you all that I'm talking with Klaus Romer Anderson from Romer Consulting, and we're talking about how to design for compliance with IEC 60601. A lot of the things that we're talking about today are, are definitely uh, design control, risk management related things that you need to be capturing uh, and documenting and testing during the design and development process for your medical device. And, and I want you to know that Greenlight Guru, we have a software platform designed specifically for the medical device industry to help you manage your entire quality management system. And within our platform, there are specific workflows that help you manage, maintain, document, collaborate, communicate your design controls, your risk management. And, and we've integrated risk management using an ISO 14971 approach, we've integrated that with your design control activities so that these are seamless with one another, which our customers are telling us as they're preparing for the 60601 testing, risk management is a, is a key critical must-have component as part of that testing. And, and the fact that they're able to leverage the documentation and the, and the, and the evidence that they are maintaining within their green light system is making that process quite a bit smoother. So, Klaus, let's dive into this pretest because I, I, I know how invaluable that is and, and how important that is. And, you know, when I do this again, and when I work on a product again that's going to have electrical components to it that I need to demonstrate that safety, my desire is to do some pre-testing to demonstrate electrical safety uh, as early as I can in, in the design and development process. I want to do it while I'm de defining user needs. I want to do it while I'm defining design inputs. How do I do that? I mean, because I, I may have to have plastic components. I may have to have printed circuit boards. I may have to have some firmware. I may have to have a lot of the design somewhat complete. How do I, and, and they seem to kind of compete with one another. So how do I do that effectively? By having a, a good uh, work breakdown structure of, of, of your product. Um, and, and also today, a, a lot of device designs or system designs, they're based on a modular approach. Um, and what I mean by that is uh, today when you design and develop a product, uh, quite often you, you integrate uh, already existing modules from different suppliers uh, into one final product or one final system. So specifying requirements at the module level for safety for EMC enables you to translate it, uh, the, the system level requirements to a module level 
And then you can pass those requirements on to your suppliers and you can ask them for documentation. If they have existing documentation that demonstrates sufficiently that they are in compliance with your requirements, um, and if not, you can uh, test at the module or component level. And there are a lot of parameters that you can actually test in a meaningful way on a module or circuit board or component uh, in the early phases before you have your first working prototype. And it, it, it just adds invaluable knowledge and uh, experience to your project doing so. Yeah, this is this is just you know practical, pragmatic engineering. You know, and and folks, I don't. I mean, I can imagine. You know, we talked about these standards and how important they are. And I know a lot of you out there are saying, "Yeah, but I, I'm not an electrical expert." And yeah, I can read the standard, and um, I may not know what it is that that's being. Or described in a particular clause and that sort of thing. Hmm. So, but at the same time, I think it is important for you to to kind of empower yourself, gain that knowledge, you know, and, and lean on the experts. This is what Klaus does for a living. He he is an expert in this space, and you know, it's it's always good to think about that sooner rather than later. Um, Klaus, just before we we wrap up our conversation, and I, and I know we're just skimming the surface on this topic. Uh, we're just giving some some practical advice to folks, and we're certainly going to share um, how people can get a hold of you um, before we wrap up today. But before we do so, um, what are what are some key uh, piece of a, of advice that that are you think would be important uh, for our listeners that we haven't covered yet? Actually, what you just mentioned about uh, realizing if you have sufficient expertise or not, um, that's a strategic choice to have it in-house or not and use external consultants such as me. Um, and that's a really uh, an important choice to make early on. Uh, are you going to read the standard and go through all the pains of that? It's, it's doable, um, but make it an informed choice of doing it or not doing it and then address it in your project plan. Um, so onboard external consultants, test houses as necessary, if that's your choice. If your choice is to um, use internal expertise, then uh, make sure to to evaluate that expertise you have available and, and upgrade it if necessary. Um, if it's not an active choice, then these quite important areas for design tend to be neglected. And then uh, make a good requirement specification, write test plans early, design reviews, taking into account safety, EMC, and pre-test. That, it's as simple as that. That's the road to compliance. <laughs> the road to compliance. And... and you know, I'll leave you with this, folks. If if you're if the only reason that you're interested in in six zero six zero one and other electrical safety testing and standards is because you feel like you have to, uh, and you feel like you have to check a box on the form, you kind of miss the point. I mean, we're in a world today 
think about all the uh, electronic devices that you have. You know, my phone, as soon as I get in my car, it connects to my my car, whether, you know, sometimes whether I want it to or not, you know, and, and I have a computer and, uh, you know, all sorts of gadgets and, and I have a smart TV. You know, just think about all the things we have in our homes and, and, you know, how sometimes things don't function the way they, they should, or, or there seems to be something that creates some sort of interference or, or unintended consequences. And imagine that same scenario in a hospital setting where a patient is in the ICU and they have all sorts of equipment, life-sustaining, life-supporting equipment that is uh, connected to them to, to keep them alive. And imagine your device is going to go into that environment. Is your device going to, to add problems to an already complicated situation or is it going to as it going to function as you expect. And this is the whole essence of why we do what we do as medical device professionals. We wanna be focused, not so much on compliance, not, not just because we have to do something, but we wanna elevate our thinking to the next level. We wanna think about true quality and making sure that we are improving the quality of life. Certainly, move away from the necessary evil mindset and towards the proactive design for compliance mindset. Absolutely. Klaus, I wanna thank you so much. Uh, for joining me on the Global Medical Device po Podcast. Folks, you should reach out and learn a little bit more about Romer Consulting. Uh, you can find more on the internet at www.romerconsulting.dk. Romer Consulting, all one word. And you can contact Klaus directly via email at Klaus, C-L-A-U-S, at romerconsulting.dk. Certainly. And I'm on LinkedIn as well. Yeah, and he's on LinkedIn. So Klaus Romer Anderson, folks, and you have been listening to the Global Medical Device Podcast. <laughs>